Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Taste. This is Doug Schaefer and we're sitting down today with Paula Cornell, someone I've known a long time, partly because I worked for her dad, Hans Cornell, in the mid-70s. Plus, she's been part of the wine industry here in Napa and Sonoma since the late 80s and early 90s. I'm really excited to hear she's going full circle, picking up where her mom and dad left off and coming out with a sparkling wine. You can probably tell we have a lot to cover, so let's get started. Hey everybody, Doug Schaefer with The Taste. Welcome back. Uh, I've got a dear friend of mine in here today, and um, I've known her for a long, long time, and her family, Paula Cornell. Paula, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to, good to have you in. So before we get going, I've got to tell a little story, so you're going to have to put up with me on this okay. one. But uh, back when I was in college, UC Davis, there's two summers, 75 and 76, I had a summer job. At uh, Hans Cornell Champagne Cellars, which was Paula's dad, up on Larkmead Lane. And it was uh, my first kind of real, uh, you know, eight to five, 40 hour a week job. And it was tough. Um, you know, I had to wake up and, you know, drive for 30 or 40 minutes up Valley. And it was, you know, seven o'clock. I'm a college boy. It was cold, but worked with your dad two summers. Um, I will never forget the experience. He was had a reputation as being a real tough, ornery guy and tough to work for and volatile. And he was, but I figured it out. He would just want he wanted people to work. I mean, you know, you're sitting there with your hands in your pocket and he's walked through the cellar and it's like, <laughs> I'll try to imitate him. God damn it, get your oh, hands God, out of here. No, Go honey, what are you doing? Pick up a broom, do something. But anyway, so there was three or four other college guys and I work in the summer and he had his regular crew, but he actually, I think, really liked the college guys because we actually worked pretty hard because we didn't know any better. So it's like, we better work hard. I think I started at 275 an hour. But once we realized that all you had to do is kind of work and do your job, he, we, we fell in love with your dad. He would call us professor. Hey, professor, get over here. And he, all of a sudden, that's by that second summer, I mean, he's the, was the most kindest, gentlest, caring guys I've ever known. And I just relished my time with him because the last four or five weeks that second summer, I became his, uh, his guy. You know, I'd helped him do the uh, the blending uh-huh. of the cuvee. He always had one guy, and I was I was that guy for about four weeks. So I had a lot of one-on-one time with him, and he was a scream. You know, he locked me in a tank one time and said, ha, 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 get out of there. I mean, stuff like that. And But the classic line was near the end of that stint, he was like, hey, <laughs> professor, you don't need college. Leave college. Come work with me. Mary Paula. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that. He was no, like, come I back here, marry Paula, oh, you know, and, and, you know, work oh, my winery God with me. You, you didn't know that? No, oh, man, that him. was four or five times you hit me with that. And now, meanwhile, oh. you were like in eighth grade. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, well, Mr. Cornell, it's like Paula is like a little girl here. I'm not, that's not going to work. No, I was on my way to college, but that's okay. okay. Well, it's still, it was, you know, you're young. Yeah. I'm young. No, 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 no. So he he had, loved you. He thought you well, were the best. So well, I can imagine was, him doing that. It was mutual. It was mutual. He was a tough guy to work for. So I had to tell that story. I love it. I and, just... uh, but let's, let's start there. Tell me about 
you tell us about your dad. It's a tough story, but I, I got to have you tell it. So mm-hmm. he um, he grew up in Germany. He's German. Mm-hmm. The part of Germany that he was born in is now Poland. His family, my uncle, his uncle, and my great-grandparents, they were all in the sparkling wine business or German sect business in Germany. Okay. So he had that lineage of being in the bubble business. So he grew up with that. Grew up with it. Got it. He was also very athletic. So he was on the fencing team. He was on the downhill ski team. I didn't know that. So there's fabulous pictures I'm finding now of him on the fencing team that are just very cool. (laughs) But he was skiing with cross-country skiing with his cousins and they were caught by the Nazis. And this is the beginning of the war. So it was, um, they were taking political or affluent Jews. And his family was Jewish. He knew nothing about Judaism. Matter of fact, as I grew up, my mother, the Catholic, was much better Jew than my father ever was. So, How old was he? Um, he would have been 20, like 22. When they grabbed him. Yeah. Okay. So he was in Dachau for, um, I think it was 18, it was 17 months. Okay. And um, he was in with, his um, cellmate at that time was in for murder. But he, <laughs> so it, I don't know where that political and, you know, but there was just right. a mishmash of people and they had KP duty. So it was, the guy would always tell him, you need to eat as much of the potato under the potato skins as possible to survive in here. And that's what he did. But he did tell, you know, horrible stories of what what happened there. And then somehow my grandparents um, had a connection in London with a, um, it turned out he was a Freudian psychiatrist. I mean, who I eventually had met, but Dr. Wangchowski wow. helped him, um, or they figured out this whole system that there would be somebody he'd build wine cellars for okay. in London. And that's how they got him out, that he had a job and that he was, but he was, had to get out of Germany in 24 hours. Oh my goodness. So he was given 24 hours. My grandmother packed up this trunk that I still have with one set of, or one, yeah, one set of sterling. She threw in a signet ring and, you know, a couple of other things. And off he went to London and then never saw his parents again because quickly after that, they were both taken to Theresienstadt and obviously killed. But it's it's a it's a bizarre story in the fact that you know here are people that are touched that aren't even religious, right? Very religious. Right. So I can't even imagine that in our society today. No. Just 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 crazy. Oh, but I did heart. meet this Dr. Wong That's kind of neat. <laughs> years <laughs> later in London, who turned out to be this little Polish German guy that was a was a Freudian psychiatrist. How cool. Did you track him down? You had to. Or just... He found my father. He okay. found my father when, and many people found my father. Um, I don't have it on today, but someone walked into the tasting room at Hans Cornell about, I don't know, 60 years ago, Right. walked in with my grandmother's wedding ring and engagement ring. So I have both of those today. Wow. So- Oh, that's so, so it's a bizarre, cool. you know, so cool, it's amazing though. how it all comes full circle. Just connecting. Yeah. 
So he got to London and somehow he got to the United States. Got to London. Then um, the United States was the golden land. Right. And at that time, so many immigrants were going to, they were coming into Ohio and Missouri. So he started in Ohio at um, Cook's Imperial, which was a still wine and champagne company that brought in, I guess they brought in some fruit from the, from California, but there was a lot of fruit at that time in Missouri and Ohio. Right. Um, his love, as you know, more than his family was always animals. So he bought a broken oh, no. down he, he racehorse. Ador- he adored you, by the well, way. Well, yeah, okay. but it, the f- animals were still... Okay. they're big. I guess sort of I have that trait today, <laughs> but... Um, so he bought a horse and mm-hmm. somehow got a job in Sonoma and trailered this horse after, I think, four years in between Cincinnati and somewhere in Missouri, trailered his horse to California. Was he, did he speak English? He, he was learning a learning. little bit, but basically, you know, he's so always he, had that. He, he lands here and he's a winemaker, yeah, basically, with, a winemaker. And, and he's with nothing, 22, I think 23. he has like 20 bucks and that's it. He's 22, 23 yeah. years old. No family. No family. Strange country. Oh, so my by goodness. The t- but by the time he got to there, he was probably like 25. Yeah, 25 and then, 26. so yeah. So, yeah. So he gets to Sonoma. Gets to Sonoma. And, he's and works wine. at the round barn, the red round barn that burned in the last fire. Oh, the I remember Fountain that Grove, place. Fountain Grove. Um, and I do have some photos of that that are great. That was a winery. It was a winery. A working winery that, uh, I don't know, I can't remember who, okay. but it was called Fountain Grove Winery. And he was there for a couple years. Okay. It might have even been a few more because that's when he started his winery and he started Hans Cornell third generation, it was called Hans Cornell third generation in Sonoma. In Sonoma. Where the Safeway store is right now. And he was making still wine or He was sparkling? making sparkling. And making with uh, what what system with the method with method champenois so the traditional always the traditional, traditional European, method is, champenois which by the way is when you <clears throat> make sparkling wines when you uh, take a base wine and this method is the traditional way from France uh, you basically blend some base wine with uh, sugar and yeast and ha- have a second fermentation in the bottle. And uh, after a few years, uh, basically, you, that's how the champagne gets its uh, yeah. uh, bubbles. And this carbon, it's a natural carbon dioxide that's pro- processed. But, uh, but at that time, in this country, most sparkling wine wasn't made that no, way. No, it was, it was all made, made in the Charmat, which yeah. is a big bulk tank tank right. thing. Right. And it. he was living, um, he lived at the Swiss Hotel in Sonoma. <laughs> And um, he became really good friends with the Dunlaps that owned Swiss Hotel and the Sebastianis. And let me see. So my mother was yeah. a... Um, Where'd, she grow? Where'd she grow up? Uh, she grew up between Berkeley and Vallejo. Okay. And my grandfather worked at Mare Island. And she was um, she had her medical degree, but she also was an opera singer. So she would sing with the San Francisco Symphony quite a bit. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. For years, every Sunday, I'd be stuck in the car when she'd go to her. Oh, she sang for years. Yes. So the old Swiss hotel, the, excuse me, the old city of Paris. Okay. Store, which is 
if you're familiar with Neiman Marcus, it's mm-hmm. the it's where Neiman Marcus is today. It was this beautiful uh, department store that had a cellar very similar to Harrods. There was a flower sto- stall, charcuteries, shuc- wine, Got and it. there was a gentleman that had the wine store, the wine and hard alcohol store. <laughs> and my grandfather, my mother's father, went to go buy some champagne for one of her recitals, and he, which he did. But then um, he was telling my grandfather about this young guy who's single, who lives in Sonoma, and <laughs> they need that my mother and he need to meet. That's wild. My mother was tall, dark hair, you know, dark, you know, darker skin. My father was blonde, blue eyes, and, well, and her short. Ma- her maiden name was, was Rossini. Rossini. So she's yeah. Italian. Swiss Italian. Swiss Italian. And her family homesteaded in Napa Valley. So where I grew up on Crystal Springs Road was their summer house. That goes back to her family? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So your mom. So so they eventually eventually met. And it was very shortly after that they were married. So that they were married in 50. If I was born in 59, they were married in 58. Got it. Got it. That's wild. Yeah, it was very funny. And so he was still in Sonoma. He was still in Sonoma. Okay. And so they, um, it was during their dating time that um, they found out that there was a a storage house or a storage building for Italian Swiss Colony. Okay. That was on Larkmead Lane. In the here in the Napa Valley. In the Napa Valley. Okay. And that's when he made the step over to, and that was June thirteenth that it closed because I remember that every year on June 13th, it was the Dunlaps from um, Swiss Hotel, right? the Sebastianis, and Bob and Margie Mandavi. We'd all have dinner together on June 13th, 13th for years. So June thir- 13th was always a good luck number. Interesting. Yeah. Because so the, the winery he had in Sonoma was called Cornell. It was called Hans Cornell, Hans Cornell. Third Generation. Third Generation. Yeah. And so he basically bought this building property on Larkmead Lane here in Napa. Mm-hmm. So moved the operation over here to Napa. Yep. And kept the same name. Kept the name and just called it Hans Cornell Champagne. And Hans Cornell Champagne, so Larkmead yeah. Lane, which yeah. is now the site of Frank family. Frank winery. family. Correct, yeah. Um, June 13th. Well, that it's it's... There's certain dates. My father did the same thing. Uh, when it came to getting our bonded winery number here at Schaefer, I guess this is before I was even here, and he was talking to some regulator, and they say, well, what date do you want to have? And he said, what do you mean? You can just whatever. She goes, oh, you can pick whatever date you want within this you know, three-week period. And it was February. So he goes, February 14th, Valentine's Day. So now Valentine's Day here, like everybody here knows, it's like, oh, that's our, you know, 35th, you know, year in business or something like that. I love it. That is great. It's good to have those dates. That is really wonderful. Dates are good. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the good kind of dates. Yeah. They are. All right. So he's over here. This is in the late 50s. And you probably showed up pretty soon after that. Yeah, showed up in... 59, 59. yeah, <laughs> there it goes. So you're growing up in Napa Valley. Grew up in St. Helena. In St. Yes. Helena. What was that like? Certainly different than it is now, <laughs> in one way or another. Um, you know, it was a great way to grow up. It right. was, you know, you didn't, first of all, 
I think of all the great times of just being outside. I mean, now you look at kids that are stuck in front of their TV or computer. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any of that. So my grandmother would, my grandmother lived in Vallejo. And so she would come up and she would, you know, she was the taskmaster because she would shut that door and she didn't want to see me or my brother at all during the day. So you just went off and you were hiking or you were building forts or you were horseback riding and that's what you did. And it was great. That's great. And did you hang out at the winery a lot? I hung out at the winery a lot. So that was my- That must have been fun. I say to everybody, I think I smoked my first joint there. I smoked my first cigarette there. I got (laughs) kissed the first time. We used to collect bats up on the tarage stacks. Remember all (laughs) those bats that would be- The stacks where Dieter used to riddle. (laughs) Yeah. Dieter, that was his name, wasn't it? You're absolutely right. There's a name I haven't thought of in a long time. Well, he was the guy. With the champagne, there's something called riddling, and there's these angle racks, and the bottles are upside down, and you have to turn them a quarter of a turn every- few days or week. And there was yeah. one guy that did. It was Dieter. It was he was, Dieter. Because he'd be up there and he'd this little clink, clink, clink. It's like, oh, Dieter's up there somewhere. Watch out. Dieter's yeah. up there. But there were these big, um, when they're aging the bottles and they're all those oh, the big stacks. stacks, we'd climb up on the stacks and catch all these bats and then bring them to school in mason jars. It was you so climbed, much fun. No, no, you didn't. You, not yeah, those stacks. Yeah, you could get on the side of the upstairs and that, not upstairs, the and stacks that of back bo- building. The stacks of bottles. Yeah, okay. you could go climb up on the side right. and get those. I have to interrupt. So what happens is, as this <laughs> sparkling wine is going through its its secondary fermentation, the bottles are stacked horizontally, you know, across the way, and then they, in, you know, opposite opposite for each layer. So you've stacked up. Oh, up to 15, 20, 25 bottles high, a, a, like a wall of bottles. Right. But what happened was these things have little Coke caps on them. And if you, if you hooked a Coke cap, there's 120 pounds of pressure right. in that thing, that thing would blow off. And half the time you're falling over. Those stacks were a little, they were scary. I'm just thinking little kid oh. climbing up in the stack. Did your dad know you were oh, doing that? Wait. Of course not. But, but where, where, he had to know where were we getting these bats from, for God's sake. God, but it crazy. was a playground. I mean, that place yeah. is, you know, if you remember, it was dark and oh, yeah. it was moldy and it was just, it was a cool, scary a, place to be. You know, when you're a kid, you could make all sorts of fun up there. It was spooky. It, it was, was a spooky yeah. place. There were nooks and crannies in that place. It was wild. But it, how fun to be able to see your dad kind of during the it day. Was would you, great. Would you and pop then, in and, then and bug him did, and all that And then stuff? we did every job. So my right. first job was... My first job was selling peacock feathers, walnuts, and prunes in front of the tasting room. Because remember, get? we had those peacock feathers at my parents. That's right. And okay. then, because I, I wonder where you got the feathers, we, oh, the peacocks, and then the prunes and the walnuts were all from that orchard where right. you painted the fence. That's funny. And okay. then we'd start. I'd start by giving tours, or I had pigtails in the labeling line. He had us doing all those jobs. That's great. Well, it was good work ethic. Yeah. Oh, honey. Oh, yeah. honey. Get going. Oh, I know that. <laughs> oh, to this day. God yeah. damn it. Pick up a broom. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you're there. Uh, high school. I think you were with brother, younger, my younger brother, Brad. You I guys was. Both I was went to school Brad. Yeah, and, I think it was a year and, yeah, older than Brad in school. Yeah, Brad. And Justin. Yeah, at so. Justin Siena. And Did, then college was UOP. College, I went to UOP. Why I ended up at UOP, I have no idea. You know, this is the University of Pacific. It's a great school. Brad went there. It's a Fabulous. It's a great place. But in just in general, I think now 
there would have been so many other places I should have gone, but no. you know what? It was... It's a great school. It was great. And after college, uh, New York? During college, <laughs> though, it was... Wor- so I worked oh, yeah. for you, dad a couple you, years, okay. and then I went to work at um, Stanford Court Hotel because the best guy in town was Jim Nasikas, and... Stanford Court at that time was the that was the place the hotel in San Francisco. So I was management trainee at Stanford Court for two summers, and I loved that. It was really it was great. The hotel it great. biz. It was great, except for having to do. I liked every department except being a cocktail waitress with a Kiana, you know, that oh. lovely natural fiber. <laughs> oh dress, yeah, yeah. Long skirt that with a that cocktail waitress was not and. Room service was two things that were not my... <laughs> I would bet room service is kind of spooky. Oh, that is so bizarre, being at somebody's door. It's like... At somebody's door, you don't know what they're wearing. Because oh, I've thought about that when I'm, I'm in hotels, and it's like, okay, room service that's coming, weird. you know. Yeah, and people do really weird things. Put so, some clothes yes, on, you know, be normal. Well, you know. Why, why would you harass your poor service staff oh, like that? Gosh. But people take great pride. But it was wonderful working with him. He was... A really, he was he was an absolute wonderful uh, role model for for customer service. And then right after college, I did I went to work at Sherry Lehman in New York when it was still on Madison Avenue. Okay. So I worked with our distributor, the Hans Cornell distributor, which um, on Wednesdays, which had Robert Mondavi, Burgess, right. Hans Cornell. Um, not that many California brands. Not um, then, no. You, they, California wines were tough selling. And then the rest of the time I sold, I was on the floor on at the Cherry floor Lehman. Cherry Lehman. And every time anybody sold a bottle of Napa Valley wine, it was woo-woo. I mean, the whole <laughs> staff. And it was all starving actors or other brats like myself, kids that were from wineries around the world. And... Some of them are still, um, my best friend became Alexa Zwack, whose family um, made makes Hungarian um, eau de vies and has a brand called Unicum that's like a right. digestive. Mm-hmm. And Alexa to this day is still one of my best friends. That So you met great, great people. And so what, and she was in New York doing the same she thing? She was in New York doing the exact same thing. And then she have, and ended up going work at Winebow for a few years. Okay. And, but, and then- out of the business entirely, but it just was fun to learn about everybody else, what everybody else did. Yeah. So, so school, you studied marketing, right? Marketing. Then you, so then you had the, the, hotel, the hotel experience and you had selling wine retail, plus you're working with distributors. So, so it was a good, this, was, this but makes working perfect, for the distributor was, you know, you're being kicked out of accounts because they don't want to buy any California wine. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was. What distributor? Do you remember who it was? House of Burgundy. House of Burgundy. Yeah. They had Prosper Mofu, Domain Ott. Okay. Um, so that was my first learning first about great rosé. Yeah. So it was good. It was, but oh. at Sherry Lehman, they gave me Burgundy as my section. Burgundy. I thought Burgundy was in a big jug that came from right. the Central Valley. I did not know. I'm so it you. was a true experience learning about Burgundy. And what year? With what year time frame is this? That would have been 80s? 81. Okay. Because I remember I started here in 83, but dad, I remember dad just having fits and starts. I mean, for four or five years in the mid eighties, we couldn't get a distributor in New York to take us on because California, it was all very Euro, European centric yeah. in New York, the, the East coast. 
It was tough. I remember tasting, um, it had to have been acacia. It was either, I think it was acacia Chardonnay for the first time when we, I was there. And it was this buttery, it was that, it had to have been acacia. It was this buttery wine. That right. Went, what the heck? And it was something that was, that was the hot thing. so they entirely new. Right. And then came back and called Boots and... Um, um, Diamond Creek at Diamond Creek. Boots Brownstein called Al to say her husband. I'd Al love Wright. to come up for a tour. This is good. I came. Would love to come up for a tour because I've been selling a lot of your wine. And he said, "Honey, you've been to this property many, many times. I didn't know this was the pond that we've been skinny dipping in all through <laughs> through high school. And sure enough, I go up for a tour, and yes, indeed. And that Al was, just thought that was the funniest damn thing. That's I didn't know that yeah, one. That was he thought that was the funniest thing. All right. So after New York, where do you go? I came home kicking and screaming. I had a one. My father gave me a one way first class ticket home. With a note that said, I didn't know if this. I wanted to stay in New York, that it was going to be on my time, and there was no way I could stay there with Sherry Lehman. Um, so I did come, and it was time. It was okay. It was perfect. Yeah, it was, New York for two years was absolutely fabulous. Did you kind of always know you're going to come back and work with Dad? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I think during college it was still maybe I wanted to be. Go to, into sciences, into veterinarian science, and then there was no way. I was never a science per, really. So I figured I could always have a lot of animals. Okay. So it worked out. Good. Um, and went to work with him and loved it. And this is mid 80s? That would have been 82. Okay. Yeah. That's probably about when I, because I came over here in 83 with dad. God. Yeah, but I didn't see I didn't see anybody because I was just trying to figure out when what was, was going the first on here. vintage for Schaefer. Seventy eight, and then he built the winery in eighty, and I started here in eighty three. Because I so remember being on a sales trip for Hans Cornell, and my mother came with me, and okay. we were in Chicago, and we had dinner at Printer's Row. I don't, this is like I, I can't even Printers believe Row. that I remember Printer's Row, but Printer's Row, and we had a bottle of. Schaefer, and we called your dad the next day. But it was then I learned that for something from like from my I guess it was from my mother to say if you enjoyed somebody's wine to write them a note or to give them a call and t- <laughs> tell them how much you enjoyed it. And it was just I just I remember that so clearly. And also they were so proud of they loved your dad right. and they loved your family, and they were always so proud of what the success and how things were going. So it's pretty neat. Truly, they were very, very proud. Well, your folks, class acts, big time. They were great. They were great. They were great. So we're lucky. So 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 you're working with dad, you know, through the eighties. I've got to tell you a story because I had, I had to do some thinking yesterday. I figured out what year it was. It had to be like 88, 89. I'm been here for a few years Hadn't seen your dad, hadn't stopped by, you know, once in a while, every couple of years. Lost touch a little bit. And I'm, I've got two little kids, three and four, Katie and Kevin. And uh, we're doing something. It's Christmas time. It's like I'm delivering wine. It's, I don't know, December 15th, 16th, something like that, driving around. And I'm up near Larkmead Lane. I got both kids with me. I said, oh, kids, we're going to go see an old friend of dad's. His name's Mr. Cornell. They're like, huh? You know, <laughs> and, we, and we pulled into your place and I, I go in and 
I'm talking to the receptionist or his secretary, and, and he sees me down the hall. He says, hey! <laughs> and so Professor! I said, hey, hey, Mr. Cornell, get in here. And oh, and he sees these two kids, these two adorable three and four-year-olds. And he instantly is like yelling at his secretary. I don't know. <laughs> Where is that chocolate? Where is that chocolate? And these my kids are like, holy shit, who is this guy? Because he was, you know, he was verbose, yeah. and I think they were kind of scared of him because he was like, ah, where's that chocolate? And so, no big deal. So there, there, he's dealing with the chocolate, and the kids are kind of just huddled in a corner. And all of a sudden, I see Johnny, who's the foreman, yeah. who was still there, who I worked for, you know, back in college. So it's like he's out in the office. So I go out to say hi to Johnny. I'm chatting with him for a minute, for five, ten minutes, you know nothing going on. I walk back to your dad's office and I, as before I get in there, I hear this giggling. My two kids are giggling hysterically and I come around the corner and your dad is on the ground Mm -hmm. when these two kids are jumping on him. They're rolling around like, I mean, it was like, doesn't surprise me. I'll never forget it. And we leave him and my two kids are going, you know, who's that guy? He's great. We got to come back. But he was just Paula, it was, I'll never forget it. No, he loved, he He, loved kids. On the floor. Absolutely loved him. He was a great, warm, you know, once you get past that exterior, it was always, there was lots of yelling, but there was always, (laughs) you know, I think about that even in politics today, you know, always being able to sit down at that table, that dining room table, and Hmm. you could, my parents always changed one would be a Democrat, one would be a Republican. One, they'd both be Republicans or they'd both be Democrats. But you always learned to talk about it. Hmm. And everybody was very um, boisterous about their beliefs at the sure. time. But you could always talk about it. And I always felt, I mean, there was... Well, and respectfully. There, that's exactly it. It was about respect. Because he was a big, both of them were a big thing about commanding respect. Right. That's... And I think his parents were pretty much taskmasters too. So oh, they I had think to that be. Was, Come on, you know, are you kidding? Yeah, <laughs> I so, know that one. <laughs> anyway, but it was a you know I loved coming back. I loved working with him. I liked being on the road um, and preaching the story of Hans Tell Cornell because it was a great story. Um, trying to get him to change was trying to get him to go from traditional, so everything was traditional method champenois, but it was made from Riesling. Which was his German, exactly. the German background. That's what he knew. Got and it. so that was for the Zertrocken. Mm-hmm. And then um, everything else was a blend of mixed whites, which I'm now finding going full circle that that's pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much the world of sparkling wine, Is it really? California okay. sparkling wine. Um, because I remember, I remember running into you, and you were like frustrated because you were trying to get you were trying to get him away from doing as much riesling and doing chardonnay and right. doing and traditional chardonnay and, and, and pinot, pinot noir. noir. Okay. And so by the time that happened, after a few years, it was really too late. Uh, it was really um, there was so much um, competition right. with European money, with Chandon, then with Mum. Um, so it was. And unfortunately, he he was very proud of his airline contracts. I remember that. But yes. that was putting your eggs in one, one basket. basket. Right. And it was, um, so when that went away, it was really, it was really tough. Interesting. And that, and it, and it's, it was tough and the doors got closed. Yeah. The doors got closed and it was a very, um, sort of serendipitous year for me because it was the year, it was 1992. I chaired Auction Napa Valley. Auction Auction Napa Valley. And the winery was closing right behind me. 
Um, How tough. It, How so it was, tough, it was, it was tough, but the community, I think that's where, when you realize what a great place we live in, because there was really a great support system from the community. I had already, I knew, saw the writing, writing on the wall mm-hmm. and had run into, or I had, was speaking somewhere, I think it was somewhere in Southern California, and Joe Phelps was there. And so even before the winery door was closed, Joe had offered me a job to come to work at Phelps. So it was, you know, there was standing up there for auction. It was, I knew at least I had a home to go to after that happened. I didn't know that. So Tom Shelton and I were hired the exact same day. Were you? No, yeah. no, no, that's something I've never heard. <laughs> yeah. Were you really? We were hired both the exact same day. Tom to be director of sales so, and me, uh, VP of sales, and I was VP of marketing. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was great. I so, mean, that, uh, that took a... I thought my father was bad. <laughs> Working for Joe Phelps <laughs> was... Truly an experience. I, okay, I can see that. But hey, working alongside Tom Shelton, uh, what a what he a was treat! The best, the absolute best. How long did you get to work together? We worked together for a year. Yeah, great. Because it was a year, maybe it was a little longer, probably mm-hmm. a year and a half. It was a year and a half of re- Joe getting used to not having Bruce Nyers with him, right? Because it was just after Bruce Nyers, and right. Joe was really trying hard. I will give him credit that he was trying very hard to um, work with two people to do, and it was very obvious that it had to be a one, one person, person thing. and that and it and Tom was definitely the person to be working with, sure. him, which you know the what Tom did there. Right for me, it was remember I've been doing sparkling wine, right? So to work with Craig and to work with Craig Williams, Craig Williams maker. to work with right. such a great winemaking staff. And team, and to learn and to really get my teeth into Cabernet. Right, and still one. Still one, yeah. and Cabernet, then Chardonnay. He so. put me in charge of Limestral, which was the Rhone blend. That's, that's right. And that was when, if you did a spell check for Viognier, it came out vagina. Oops. <laughs> so each time. <laughs> so it was. We've come a long way. We've come a long way, <laughs> but it was great. It was, but it was one of those, boy, um, I thought my father was a taskmaster. It was, um, Joe liked to make sure that there were butts in seats in that office six days a week. And, you know, it got it. It was interesting. Well, good experience. Yeah, good experience. So so after that, now, meanwhile, we lost your dad in 94. And I lost my father. 90, I think it was 94 or 95, because I had just started working at Mandavi. Okay, so after Phelps, you went to I Mandavi. I went to work at Mandavi running Vishan. Vishan, which is, <laughs> I remember Vishan. It's up on Oakville grade. It's now what Promontory is. It's now is. Promontory. Yeah. And it, it was this. La Familia for a while. Then it was, it was La Familia. And Vishan was, was known for its um, Chevron Yon. Which was wow! This is going back Sauvignon in time. Blanc and um, and something. I, I don't remember. I guess so it was something. Mandavi Blanc and... had a, another facility called Vachon, which mm-hmm. was it was something before that, but they and bought Tim it. Did, and it was basically Tim's Mandavi's winery. Tim Mandavi's winery is halfway up Oakville Grade, past Farniante, and uh, they were making Chevron. Chevrignon and, and Cabernet and, and okay. Cab Franc. We were buying grapes right next to you from Easley. Right, got and, it. And um, 
Yeah, it was. And so hired there as as GM as or sales. GM okay. and and sales. So I was. I had a bizarre job that I was in the Mandavi sales team. Yeah. Got it. But I was also GM of a property. So. Um, I spent, oh God, 10, 11 years working for Mandavi. First Vishan, then Vishan became Vishan Mediterranean. So I spent quite a bit of time in the south of France um, working on bulk wine transfers. Oh, so they were bringing in We were wines bringing from that f- in. Okay. And then um, from there went and did national accounts for Mandavi. Okay. Wow. And learned I could sell wine. When yeah. I walk in from anything having soup to nuts from can, Woodbridge to Opus. You can sell anything. So I learned I could sell. That's great. Which How'd I never feel? really thought I could do yeah, that. Yeah, but so. once you once you felt so when was that? Like what what time period? Ninety so mid nineties? Mid to late nineties. And I sold and I had all you know, I had four seasons that I had Hyatt, I had all the big yeah. chains and it was um and those faces still appear in our lives today. So you just never know when any of those GMs how'd, how'd that showed that, up. How'd that feel when you kind of realized, hey, I can sell anything? I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely I loved it. And I loved being able to be on, you know, it's, you know, you had soup to nuts, but you could be honest. And it was, that's where the best selling tool was being honest is, you know, you didn't like something. It was really hard for you to sell something you didn't right. like. So usually steered people the right way, and it was successful. But wasn't it? It must have been kind of liberating just for you personally. It's oh, like it, and just self confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those were also the days when, you know, before that, let's talk about Napa Valley Vintners. Right. You know, we had all those, all those. We had Jim Barrett. We had all those guys that are putting all of us young kids on the boards, and right. so, you know. It was a great, it was a different time, but it was really wonderful to see how Napa Valley has succeeded and has been stronger along the way. Because we all, and because you were on the, you were on the board for a lot. I was on the board. I don't know. I tried figuring this out. It was like the early nine, no, late eighties. Okay. So when John Conesgard and I don't know, I don't, whatever that, so that was two years and then two or three years, I don't yeah. know, then later on. And then this is the Napa Valley Vintners organization, and Paula was on the board a bunch, and you were chair of the auction Napa Valley, our summer fundraiser, and that was in 92. And 92, then and then f- again, when we did it, all the past chairs of the of the auction. And that was 05. Okay, and now and this year. this year, in the next week, you're a chair again, because it's all 35 chairs? Yes. Something like that? So the auction Napa Valley has been going since 1981, and we've raised over 185 million dollars for local charities in Napa. It's it's been incredible. So the people that step up and chair it, like yourself, um, it's a thankless job. But thank you, appreciate it. Well, we have we're so lucky to have an incredible staff now that yeah. does so much work. They crank, yeah, they crank. But we need to go and smile and, and we smile. do our thing. We smile if we like sell. it or not. <laughs> and we'll sell, by golly. Um, we like it. So Bashon for in Mandavi for eight and to ten years, and then in what happened? Two, just before two thousand, um, 
I was approached by the team from the Shalone Wine Group okay. and um, Phil Woodward, and I'd known all that group because of loving their wines for so long. And then, so I got offered the job to go over the mountain to Sonoma. You jumped ship. So um, I went over the Oakville Grade every day and to Carmenet, uh, Carmenet, which was at the top of Moon Mountain. Mm-hmm. And to a whole nother world of craziness, um, immediately was put on the board of the Sonoma County or Sonoma County uh, Vintners because they needed some help. Right. And um, but being on top of that mountain was beautiful. I mean, it was a great, funky, f- funky, funky property. But met one of the greatest people that I would met in my life, named Phil Katuri. The vineyard guy. Vineyard guy. Yeah. Phil is the quintessential deadhead. Looks like he should be in the band. Grew up with most of those guys. So is best pals with all of them. And he taught me how to do a vineyard budget. Taught me how anything about organics and biodynamics. And eventually when I, after my two years or two years at Carbonet, when I came back to Napa Valley... Um, hired him to work on Oakville Ranch. And now that is a, when I started there, it was a, um, the vineyard looked nuked. It had been just- Too many chemicals. Decimated. Mm -hmm. And now is thriving and they're selling grapes for the highest they can command. So, and today, truly, now he farms so many vineyards in Napa Valley now too. And it's just a great- great guy. So you were there for two years. Met two Phil. years and met Phil. Um, loved being over there. Uh, liked having a foot still in Sonoma because there's a piece of going back to dad. Oh, you're with your dad, of course. There's a piece of, of my heart there. Yeah. Um, it, but it was, it's definitely different. And I'm definitely a Napa Valley girl and trying to build, was trying to build a winery for them in Sonoma Valley. Okay. Oh, that was not a pretty thing. It it's, was the now Lassiter property. John okay. Lassiter owns this property. Oh, right, right. But we were trying to build a winery that um, was near, the winery was already there. We were trying to redo a winery next to an elementary school. Tough to, tough one. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah. I'd be over this hill, driving over Oakville grade in tears half the time because you were just by the you know PTA, by everyone. Young lady, do you have oh, children? Young oh. lady, you're going to kill our kids. That's Young. tough. It was. That's tough. So, so I had known Mary Minor socially from, because of the San Francisco Ballet. Right. And um, she was. A wonderful gal. Going through her own trials with her family. Mm-hmm. She's the widow of. Bob Miner, who started Oracle okay. with Larry Ellison and has this incredible piece of property up on the top of Oakville. On the uh, eastern, eastern side, side, eastern side of Napa Valley. Just up, above Dalla Valley. And um, so, you know, 62, 72 acres of incredible grapes wow. at the top of the mountain I and a very she, small brand. I didn't know she has that much up there. Yeah. So she sells a lot, obviously. Yeah. So now she sells most of it. Right, but her brand was Oakville Ranch. Oakville Ranch, so you, very small brand, but um, so the biggest job was really getting that vineyard so in you, shape. You started working with her, with the vineyard, with Phil, yeah. and you were with her. You were up there for a while. It was ten years. Ten years. Yeah. 
Yeah. So basically GM, running the place, obviously. Running the place and doing everything, whatever needed to be done yeah. up there. So, and it was, you know, it was your own little oasis up there. Well, you know, you're, it's nice for you. You kind of get to run everything. Yeah, it was, that's, that's neat. It was great. And she was a, she was a, she was a truly unique individual that mm-hmm. did wanted her privacy, right. um, was very generous to the community, but everything was, um, and everything was very silent until she found uh, auction Napa Valley and started just. She's been one of the best uh, bidders forever. It's amazing. She's fantastic. And one year, I know when Lexus, no, when Cadillac, no, it was Lexus. Lexus was our, it was the first or second year of Lexus being one of our partners. That's right, right. And she bought the lot with all the Magnums in it and turns to me after she buys it and said, you're going to sell it for me, aren't you? So it was, um, you know, she just, it, it was, That's it was great. pretty, you just never knew it was going to happen with Mary and she was great. How fun. Absolutely great. How fun. And during the end of those years, um, our mutual friend, uh, Nancy Duckhorn, who right. was consult doing wine consulting, kept saying, you need to start the, your consulting business. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you. So this is like around 2013, 2014. So yes. Nancy, who was Nancy Duckhorn and and she's to, been, she's been consulting forever. Right. And Nancy has, has been one of my best friends for years when she and her ex-husband had Pine Ridge and so we've done lots of traveling together. We've along with Karen Cakebread, we've traveled, we've yeah, climbed. That's, a, that's another subject. Okay. Hold that. Climb. We'll get back to consult. So she so, said, let's so do some consulting. So she said you should be Basically, you should be in the consulting business. You know where most of the bodies are buried. You know how to do this. This, so um, I guess it's five years ago. I took the step off the. So you're consulting. So, so I've you're been con- consulting. consulting for. I'm, I'm assuming small wineries. So um, it's been small wineries, mm-hmm. basically Napa Valley. I did. Um, I was the um, director of the Moon Mountain AVA, to the first director of the Moon Mountain AVA <laughs> to start that. And that was definitely an interesting experience, having <laughs> Bob Kamen call you in the morning, <laughs> Robert Kamen oh, yeah. came in calling in the morning and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, he, there's, he can't really speak a whole sentence. And I love you, Bob, if you listen to this, <laughs> but he can't really speak a whole sentence with that expletive, expletive, expletive. <laughs> and... Um, but what a great, it was great to go back up there sure. and to work with that new team also. Um, but small wineries and they've revolved through, um, so it's been great. And basically consulting with, uh, uh management, with sales, started production. Sales, thank you. It started sales and marketing. Okay. And now I have to say it's probably more general business than anything else. Just folks, just, yeah. just to give, show them the ropes. Yeah. So any, it's, any, any and names, it's startups. Any, oh, yeah, William who, Cole. Okay. Eleven Eleven. Eleven Eleven. Since they opened their doors, um, Great. have been parallel. Um, Maryvale, um, Rare Cat, um, a new brand called Nelcoat. Okay. Zaken. Um, and you're busy. I'm busy. I'm busy, and I love it. And I love the. I love when things are when things are successful and. People have a smile on their face and they get it. What's the secret to a good consulting gig? What's or a good client? What's the what? What makes it work? Client, uh, you know, Nancy said this, and I will reiterate it. First of all, they have to have a great product. I mean, the product okay. has to be good. And in here in Napa Valley, I think we're pretty lucky 
and then the people have to be great people. And interesting, they're um, you have to be able to get along with people, and you have to uh, they have to be interested in what you have to. You can give all the advice, you can lead the horse to water, but, but they've got to do it. Yeah. yeah. They've got to want to get on a, get on a plane and do a winemaker yeah. dinner and do what you need to and do. And what what I've learned from all what we do in our lives is that you know I can talk for their brands all they want, but it really has to be them in front of that audience. That they need to be there. They, they need to have the relationship with their distributor, with their media, with the right. clients. They need yeah. to tell their own story. They do. Over, so and over and over to, again. You know, I help them tell their story. All right, but now going back to Nancy and your your gang, the gang of gals yeah. and all your adventures. Tell you, you got, I can't, I've stopped keeping track of everything you've done. You've got a, a gang. What's the, the group? Lust, it was called Lust for, Lust for Life. Now we've sort of lost our life. Lost your lust. Lost your lust. <laughs> haven't, haven't lost your life, but I've lost my lust. Um, um, but no, but you did this for a while. And we tried to get this your was, wife to go on one yeah. of them and that didn't work out. Um, I think she was. I think she was. I think she was busy getting married to me. That I think time. she I was. Think I think she that's was, exactly actually. it. I think it was. Um, I don't know. Well, we had a really good friend that uh, was one of oh. the first executive directors of the Napa Valley Vintners. Yes, um, Elaine. Elaine Mackey. And she had passed away very young of breast cancer, and we were all trying to figure out how do we raise money for some kind of trust. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Karen Cakebread and Nancy and I were thinking about going to Nepal. And all of a sudden, brainstorm, maybe we can raise some money doing that. So <laughs> we never thought we'd be able to do much. We thought maybe we could raise I don't know, maybe $10,000. Right. So it was the first group was um, myself, Nancy, Karen... Lindsay Harrison, who right. had Harrison Vineyards at the time. I remember. And now she still has grapes in New Zealand. New Zealand, I remember that. Um, Katie Murphy from Alexander, Alexander Valley, Valley Vineyards. She Got was it. our Sonoma um, representative. representative. And I think that was it. Uh, Polly Ogden. That's pa- right. Pa- Polly was our non-vintner, but contractor to the stars in Napa Valley. Got it. So, um and we made it to, we asked, we turned around and sent letters to everyone who's ever asked us for a bottle of wine and every <laughs> distributor, <laughs> everything, and no donation was too small. So I think it was to get on the t-shirt, it had to be $1,500 and to get a t-shirt, it had to be $100. So right. we had donations of all sorts. So over the years, it was Nepal. Um, then we decided we needed to summit something. So we did Kilimanjaro. Oh man. Then it was Turkey. We did the Karkesh mountains in Turkey, which okay. is right on the Georgia border. Um, Peru, which was um, in all these trips. Also, we did something that was great R and R. So right. um, Hong Kong after Nepal. Now you're, now you're talking. Um, yeah, smart, it was, right. Oh yeah. The, no. After Kilimanjaro was a, um, we were in, we were on a game, at a game lodge, Carcash uh, Mountains. We were on a um, lovely 60-foot gullet in the Mediterranean, this which- is, I, I like the way you guys, that's what you guys I, roll. <laughs> that's I, where I, I am. I, I need to, I need to um, get a group. 
And then, but there, Turkey was probably the wor- uh, no, excuse me, Peru was probably the worst because we did Machu Picchu is our rest and re- relaxation. Oh, no, no. And then we went on the Cordillera Blanca, which was the biggest damn mountain that <laughs> in the whole time. What the hell are we doing here? That's pretty funny. Uh, Peru. Where else did we go? Uh, Mongolia. Right. India. In India. And um, after, I think it was the first four, we raised money. And then it was from then on, we went, no, we can't do this anymore. But we raised quite a bit of money to start a foundation here. And it was turned out great. And money got disputed, disputed, disputed. Dispersed. Dis- sure. Dispersed. That's Thank right. you. Dispersed among um, a few organizations. And then the rest of it ended up in the Calistoga pool, getting the Calistoga pool That's built. That's fantastic. So it was good. And we had a great time. We had fun. Camping was lots of fun. Um, we just can't get in and out of tents anymore I, so yeah, easily. I was, was going to ask you for stories. I said, no, maybe another time. Oh, there's lots yeah, of stories. Yeah, <laughs> there's lots of stories. One of the best last ones, though, of right. India was we were uh, rafting down the Ganges was half of it. And then camping was, trekking was other. So we're rafting down the Ganges. And right. Karen had found this guy that was going to take us, guide that was going right. to take us. Well, this person ended up not being much of a guide at all. We're rafting and all of a sudden we see that they're building a dam in the middle of the <laughs> middle of our <laughs> so you look up on the mountainside, there's thousands of men looking at these women in these wetsuits. Yeah, wetsuits. And there's cops on the side of the river. Stop, stop, stop. That our guide had no idea that there was a, a dam being built. So so that was the end of the. Well, they the carried the the the, the 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 rafts went down the dam, and then we walked around. <laughs> but, but it was good. That's a good one. It was good. All right, and but now the most important thing I want to know about because this is just happening, you've got a new gig. I have a new gig. I want to hear what do we got. So. Um, this is actually a good story. Is that well, when good, the winery, when the winery was um, in its, when Hans Cornell was in its right. craziness, um, the bank had put in a guy named Pat Roney, who um, was uh, consulting with the bank, and it was basically to make sure that there was a business plan that okay. we had a business plan, and of course we had a business plan, but. A lot that's going to do when you have something on yeast that's not going to be ready for another three years. Right. But this was the new. This was the new sparkling with Chardonnay correct. and Pinot Noir. The the, the new move. Correct. We, okay. So, but Pat and I became friends, and so we've been friends all these years. So Pat goes to work at. Um, he runs St. Jean. Mm-hmm. He uh, meets uh, Leslie Rudd becomes very good friends with Leslie, goes to Kansas, works at um, Leslie's distribution company, and then becomes president at Dina DeLuca. Okay. And then helps get Dina DeLuca built here in Napa Valley. And then he, along with Leslie, work on the Girard brand. And then he eventually starts this company, Vintage Wine Estates. And so years go on. So I'm in the middle of my consulting business let uh, Pat and I check in every year, a couple times during mm-hmm. the year. And last April, he came to me and said, we were having lunch. And out of the blue, he said, we have two blank spots in our portfolio. One's rosé 
and one sparkling wine. And I think it'd be great to do it with you. And I looked at him and I just said, <laughs> Both of them? Yeah. Or both of them? No, or just, the, just sparkling? the sparkling. Oh, how cool. So I just said, yeah. And I'd walked down this path before with a couple of okay. other people, but it's sort of, so it did make me get Hans Cornell trademarked. It made me do a few things. Right. But that's been so far in the back. So, um, so for auction next week, I will have... Um, for the top bidder dinner and for my table, I will have the first Paula Cornell sparkling wine. Wow. Congratulations. So it's pretty Let's cool. Look at you. I'm excited now. I'm going to come find your table. It was. Um, it, so the grapes for the Napa brand all come from Masuko's Vineyard in Carneros, okay. which was an old Clopagas property. And it was a great, lovely story that Jan Schramm gave his wife mm-hmm. in a little box for Valentine's Day, a <laughs> box of dirt with a note that said... He has an acre for every day of the year. He lo- she he loves her, and it was three hundred and sixty-five acres. acres. Wow! And all those years of working with Mandavi and spending time in Carneros, I never knew there was that yeah. big, that big of a, contiguous. Big so the fruit comes from there, and Robin Ackhurst at um, Clodeval Clodeval Clode. That's all right. Clopagas is making the blend, the still blend with with me, and then it's going over to Sonoma to Rack and Riddle. Got it. So Chardonnay Pinot blend? Chardonnay and Pinot for Napa Valley. Got it. And there's 500 cases of that, and then there'll be 7,000 cases of California. And that's when I go to, we back full circle to dad is it's really funny speaking to everyone that does California blends and yes, they're Chardonnay and Pinot, but it's Chenin Blanc and dry white varietals. (laughs) And it, I, 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 what your dad did. I really thought that was a joke that, you're, somebody is just throwing, throwing this at fruit. me. That was his yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, because, yeah, he used all those different grapes. So, and that's still full, being- Full circle. Full circle. And the, it's called Cornell Wine it's called Company. Paula, it's, called it's called Paula, Paula Cornell Paula, Sparkling Wine. Paula Cornell Sparkling yeah. Wine. So Cornell someone, Wine Company so, is more the So I want to find, for, I'm sure the people listening, but I want to find it. So how do I find Paula Cornell So Sparkling? it will be out this summer. Okay. So it will be out this summer and there's, um, it will be, there's, I've got- I know at here in Napa Valley, Oakville Grocery, I know Ed okay. is bringing in and our dear friend, Gary Fish in New Jersey, it will be- On the East Coast. It will be definitely on the East Coast yeah. with Gary. So it it hasn't, as far as distribution, it hasn't gone out yet. Um, the California will hit the market for Valentine's Day okay. next year. Good. Well, you 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 kind of know your way around the block on distribution and sales, so I'm not worried about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But congratulations! Yeah. How Thank cool! You. Your own brand, full circle, the Paula Cornell Sparkling. What you know? I gotta ask because you know, one of my best memories is your dad. But what do you what do you think he'd think about this? I think he'd be very proud. Yeah. You know, I think. You know, I, I think he's t- he's toasting the glass. Yeah. Hopefully he and my mother both are. I'm sure they are. Well, cheers. Cheers to your folks. Thanks. And to you and all of us. Have a good one. Paula and her family are a big part of the Napa Valley story. And in a lot of ways, we really just hit the highlights here. 
Her mom and dad were great people who helped put Napa on the map, and Paula, as you heard, has worked with just about everyone. I can't wait to try her new wine. Thanks very much for listening to another episode of our podcast. If you enjoy it and would like to help other people find us, please rate and review The Taste on iTunes. Also, if you have any thoughts about what we're doing or about our guests, please send us an email at podcast at We'll see you next time.